0: Welcome to Shotgun Story, the podcast that has conversations with indie creators about music, meaning, and the point of it all, so that you may be inspired by the journeys of other artists who are doing it for themselves, and maybe gain a little more understanding as to why it matters quite so much that you keep creating. Today, in collaboration with She Said So Parenthood, we're kicking off a new monthly feature focusing on parents in the music industry. The She Said So Parenthood committee is a community of parents within She Said So formed to support and hear the voices of parents of all genders who are members or allies. The committee's objective is to provide a supportive and open platform to empower parents in the music industry. I'm all too familiar with the challenges of having kids and maintaining a career in the music industry. So this is right up the street. Jackie Queens is a house music vocalist, a label owner and a cultural worker based in Johannesburg, South Africa. She's also a mom and we're going to be doing a series focusing on parents in the music industry and some of the challenges they're facing and what's it like. So hi, Jackie.
1: Hi, Tori. How are you?
0: Fine, fine. Thank you so much for being able to join us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I want to start at the beginning. Sure. Why music? What drew you here?
1: I think I chose music because it was a complete way to express myself. And by that, I mean, you know, there's different sides to a person. And within music, I can sort of find all the different sides of me in there you know and just being able to write and sing and just use my talent in a way that I feel is uplifting and wholesome sometimes (laughs) you know and as a sort of like escape in a way you know because it allows me to tune out of day-to-day life you know of living of work of Motherhood, even of like you know all those things that we have to go through as people, and just sort of stepping in to that role as a musician just allows me to experience another side of life and of myself
0: and tell me a little bit about your journey in. How did you start?
1: Well, I started off singing professionally about maybe ten years ago. I always used to sing like at home. I mean everyone has that story, right, but I didn't see myself pursuing a music career, even now I don't even consider myself as someone who's pursuing a music career because I do several things at the same time and music isn't like the primary thing that I do and I like it that way because yeah. I like being able to sort of dip in and out. So when I started my music career about maybe 10 years ago, I'd always wanted to sing house music and I set out to look for people who were producing and I met a guy called Dice Jones, who's a very good friend of mine now. We've been friends ever since then. He just sent me some stuff. We recorded some vocals and it just spiraled from there. And, yeah, it's been a very interesting journey.
0: Wonderful. And if you were to look at your career as a timeline since you started, what five highlights, and it can be three to five highlights, would give context to listeners who aren't familiar with your music?
1: Oh, wow. Well, I would say the first probably would be like recording the first few songs that I ever wrote which were at the time I didn't think about it as much as I do now like I overthink things now but (laughs) at the time it was just like oh I want to do this it's really cool yeah one of the first songs that I recorded is a song called Conquer and that song was very pivotal for me because a few years after we recorded it there was a remix that was done by a guy called Inunapa who's based in Durban and that remix sort of was a springboard for our careers, basically, you know, Mm -hmm. for him as someone who's a producer and remixer, particularly, and for myself as a vocalist, it was a really pivotal moment. Number two is that song as well. But (laughs) (laughs) but we ended up signing it to an Italian label. And just that experience really brought it home how much I needed to be on top of the music business side. Yeah. So through that experience, I learned very quickly what I needed to do, what I didn't know, what was important in terms of protecting my music from a legacy perspective. And then I'd say the third thing is starting my label, Bay Electronica, which I started about five years ago now six years ago. Actually, that's, yeah, it's about six years old now. I started the label because I'd sent my stuff out to a record label in the UK because, you know, like in-house music, you make your music and unless you're releasing on your own, you're typically shopping it out to different labels. I sent it out and it took a really, really long time for them to actually release it. And after about a year or so, I decided I'd start my label because I wanted to release my own music and have control over that process So yeah, I would say that's probably like the top three.
0: Wonderful. What is your creative process like? How do you go about writing the songs that you sing?
1: My creative process involves a lot of movement. So before COVID, I used to write when I was on my way to work. I'd catch the taxi, walking a lot. I'd write all the time walking. If not walking, dancing in my living room. One of the two. (laughs) But now (laughs) that I'm at home most of the time, I don't write as much as I used to, but when I do, the process is a little bit more mechanical, which is quite strange because my writing process has always been driven by movement, Mm -hmm. whereas now it's a bit more sort of structured And before it used to be quite fluid. So nowadays it's just more, I find myself sitting a bit more, actually writing with my hand, whereas before I never used to, I just used to write in my head. Yeah. So it's changed a lot actually, since I've had to be at home more than I used to. So, And it's just basically still based a lot on like feelings and emotions and what I see in the world. So a lot of, What I write about is really just sparked by things that are happening around me. So I suppose that's probably the only thing that's remained the same.
0: And do you think that being a parent has influenced your creativity at all?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I started singing after I'd had my son. So it's always been in me in terms of like it's driven how I create you know like even Mm -hmm. if I just think of like the times that I (laughs) create because you know with children you can't just make music whenever you feel like you have to work around their schedules and there was a time when I used to just write late at night like really late at night when he was sleeping and then obviously musically a lot of the experiences that i've had as a mother or, or the words or the messages that i would like to leave behind for him in my music one of my favorite releases from my label is a song called monangu which i wrote for him and in shona it means my child it's a song that i wrote for him and he's actually on the cover of the artwork so he's really been embedded in my creative process i mean there were times when he would even try to help me write songs you know <laughs> so it's like and he'd listen to the music and he'd be like mm, i don't like this so i don't <laughs> like that so i mean definitely being a parent has really influenced my creative work in a big way
0: and so you already had your son before you started making music how old was he and what were you doing before
1: I was in the UK prior to moving to South Africa, so I was just working normally then. Mm. And when I actually started recording, he was about four. Okay. Yeah, he was about four. And also at the time, they used to play in this swing band, A wow. piece swing band in Cape Town. And there were times when we, like, because I was with the band for about five years, I think four years maybe, and I used to take him to like gigs and stuff, you know, I remember the one year we went to Wacky Wine Festival and he was just so enamored and like he always wanted to get onto the stage and that one particular gig that we played, because we played the whole weekend, and the last day he got onto the stage and he was beatboxing. I mean, the guys were like really so precious about him, they'd always let him just do stuff and Oh, one. Um, yeah, he, he enjoyed that. He liked those little excursions from time to time.
0: What was your swing band called?
1: Oh, it was called The Swing Setters. It wasn't my band. I was just one of the lead singers in the band and there were like eight of us. It was a lot of
0: fun. Oh, that sounds so fun. It was. How do you think being a parent in the music industry is different from being a working parent in other industries?
1: Well, I mean, the obvious one is that there's hardly any protections, you know, or any sort of security you're working for yourself, mainly, you know, you're basically mm-hmm. self-employed. So unless you're making like a lot of money, it's difficult to have the sort of standard, well, I wouldn't even call them standard really, but you know, the sort of normal working hours, like health insurance or days off, you know, so like all that typical... Yeah stuff that you would normally get in a job so there aren't any as I would say workers rights (laughs) (laughs) as a parent in the music industry so in that sense it's very very different and of course it also depends on the type of music that you do as well so while I was in the swing setters it was much easier to like take him to rehearsals and the occasional gig here and there, sort of keep him around sometimes. But being a house music vocalist, that's very different. You know, Mm -hmm. most of the gigs are like nighttime. And even if they are sort of daytime, it's really dependent on where it is and the type of environment that's around. And then also just for me personally, trying to build networks within the, electronic music scene a lot of that stuff happens at night right so it's like clubs it's like there's just all of this that is not really conducive to having young children I mean the older he got it was a little bit better, you know, like now he's 17. So pretty soon I'll be able to take him into a club, <laughs> you know, yeah. so he won't have that problem. But like when your kids are really young, it's very difficult, especially if you're like a single parent, like it's very difficult to sort of juggle all the sort of demands of a music career, you know, because you're working outside of normal time and, yeah. you know, without that security
0: When your son was little, what was your support system like?
1: So I used to live quite close to my parents and it was literally like walking distance actually. (laughs) so Yeah, I'd drop him off there and he'd spend the night with my mom and my siblings. So I was quite lucky also. I mean, I didn't feel necessarily the strain of it because I always had someone to look after him if I needed to go to a gig or, you know, like to a rehearsal. So I've been very fortunate in that respect.
0: Yeah. And did you tour much when he was young? No, not
1: really. I mean, because the thing, like I said, music is something that I just kind of do. So it's never been like a central part of my life, really. Yeah. I mean, we when I was with the band, we traveled quite a bit. And even when I left and I started doing, like, my solo stuff, I did travel. But not as often as, like, a proper, like, working musician. Because I've always kept a job as well. And I like that. I haven't had, you know, sort of, like, a typical, like, musical career in that sense, you know. Mm. I still like to be able to keep the balance of, like, a (laughs) semi-normal life (laughs) with the music because as much as I enjoy doing music, it's not really something that I see myself doing full time. Yeah. Yeah. But I've managed to sort of kind of like find a balance between a sort of nine to five and like my creative pursuits, which I quite like.
0: When you did those tours with the band, did your son come with you?
1: He came with us on one gig. The others were sort of like, within Cape Town, and whenever we had to travel outside of Cape Town, I'd leave him behind. But yeah, it wasn't as often as most people do, but it was often enough to the extent that I was away from home a couple of times, so...
0: Now, what are some of the challenges that make working industry tough for both musicians and behind-the-scenes folk alike that are not necessarily specific to only parents? The stuff that makes people quit music.
1: Oh, wow. (laughs) Big question. Yeah, it's a big question. I would say the biggest thing, obviously, is like the lack of financial security, you mm-hmm. know, because the industry is so precarious. So it's up and down and just not being able to have that stability. I think is why a lot of people end up leaving and, you know, going to, need yeah. to work full time. And, and I mean, for women, especially it's, it's, um, you know, things like, parenthood because there's that imbalance of workload in the domestic space Mm. and also the actual environment of the music industry itself you know the extent to which it can be taxing on your emotional and mental health and (laughs) with women as well you know harassment and all the isms that we tend to suffer in the industry I mean I know quite a few people who have just decided not to be musicians because of certain experiences that they've had. So I think on the one hand, it's about stability. And then on the other, it's about the culture, you know, the working culture within the music industry that some people just cannot deal with on a long-term basis. And it's not sustainable. I mean, I feel like in the past year, we've really seen how it can have an impact or the things that we are missing as musicians or workers within the music industry are really detrimental to our long-term survival, you know. Mm -hmm. I would say there's a lot. There really, really is a lot. And it can be quite difficult. I don't look at people who've left as people who've given up or failed, I feel like. To some degree, some people just really do it to save themselves.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And... What changes do you think could be made to make the industry more supportive of parents, of musicians alike, of moms, of women?
1: Also another big question. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think about this all the time. One of the things that I keep coming back to really is the perception that people have that you have to be a starving artist or, you know, there's like this kind of like rite of passage that you have to go through where you need to struggle. And then, you know, when you get to the other side, you have this glorious story that you're going to put in your book when you retire one day or whatever. So I think for me, part of it is that is that having to change that mindset, which in a way will really affect how we treat each other and how we see ourselves, particularly as people who are working in an industry that when looking from the outside, you're thinking it's very glamorous. People are doing like amazing things and we've just got these big facades that are all over the place and there isn't like a great sense of like reality, but on the inside, there's just a lot, a lot and a lot of struggle in it. So I think for me, part of it is that it's like having to change the mindset about you can be an artist and you don't have to suffer for your art. Yes. Okay. So what does that mean? That means as an artist, I should have rights, for example. Mm. I should have some form of stable income. And by that, what I mean by that is it would be nice to have the standard way of working or like pricing you know so things like exposure shouldn't actually be a conversation that people are having like we should have like a minimum price for something if you know what I mean yes just in that way so that we can standardize some things and I also think there needs to be more transparency about how the industry works because I think I was reading this book the beginning of the year i can't remember the author's names but it's called "Is music making you sick or something to that Mm. effect and it's a two academics based in the uk who've been doing research on mental health in the music industry it's a very very interesting book and what the authors say in the book is that the music industry is built on myths it's built on myth making so when you subscribe when you join you're subscribing to these myths. Like there are yes. certain myths that you have to subscribe to in order to survive. So that really resonated with me because a lot of what I've learned and discovered in the industry after being in it for a long time is that there are actually no rules, but people make mm. it seem like they are, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Absolutely. People make it seem like they know a lot of what they're doing and, you know, that kind of stuff. And in reality, it's not that way. But there is a perception and a lot of these rules are very specific to certain groups of people, which is white, males, heterosexual, you know, Western. So then it's about uncovering all those things and laying it bare. You know, like I find it very weird that people don't talk about how much money they make for their gigs, for example. You know, like, why aren't we talking about that? Why aren't we talking about, like, making things transparent, not only so that other people get to know how these things work, but then so that you can also see the discrepancies, you know, where they lie. Like, a good example of that was there was a big conversation a couple of years ago where they were talking about the high prices that superstar DJs are paid. And when you think about that, like, if you're, say, a promoter and you have one like really big dj let's say you're paying that dj a hundred thousand that's probably like maybe a third or two-thirds of your budget like how much money do you have left to pay everybody else down the line do you know what i mean like it's just like yeah. just things like that that i just sort of think about and, and of course there's just so many other changes that we could make but i think starting with that with valuing artists and the work that they do and not you know thinking that everyone has to struggle making things more transparent and exposing how the industry actually works because I think once we do that then we'll know how to make it better of which you know we've seen a lot of that happening in the past year or two and then also you know making sure that we create environments that Uh, inclusive and environments where anyone who wants to be in the music industry has a fair chance at having a career and also being happy within their career.
0: I mean, it's so interesting that you mentioned the starving artist thing. I was thinking about it just yesterday and I was thinking about how our belief systems stand directly in the way of our dreams and our goals. So no matter how intent you are to take an action and do something, for instance, have a proper career in the music industry. Your belief about it is going to hold you back, right? And somehow we've all agreed in the starving artist archetype. So we have deeply embedded in our cultural blanket, this agreement that you can't make money as an artist. Mm. and I think that we have to somehow shake that belief and say, no, that is not the truth. We don't have to. We too can make money, right? Mm -hmm. But it's about breaking down those belief systems and coming out of agreement, which is also uncomfortable. It's like you were talking about with those myths from that book that you have to agree with as well. Mm. Yeah. There are no rules, but we are told there are rules, and we (laughs) agree with the rules.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's a really weird thing because, I mean, I've seen so many people in the music industry be successful in ways that we aren't readily aware of. Like every year, you know, someone does something really spectacular in a very different way to what's been done in the past. And so for me, what it says is that there are people who are invested in archaic ways of working because it works for them. Yes. And so many people are coming into the industry and saying, Well, this doesn't work for me, I'm gonna try something else and they're very successful in doing that. So I think there needs to be more room for people to just try and do different things and not be beholden to these archaic ways and these structures or circumscribe to a specific box or You know, like people should be able to do whatever it is that they want to do as long as they get to the end point. But there's just so many things that have been put in place and people create those rules in a way so that at each point you're sort of passing through their gate.
0: (laughs) Mm. And I mean, when you enter the industry, I mean, you see on these reality shows as well with these kids go on and they perform and then they are told okay if you want to make it in the industry you have to dress like this and you have to have this body shape and you have to sing in this certain way and these kind of songs and that's the stuff that will get you on radio right Mm -hmm. and radio was the holy grail at one point and I think that that's almost completely the opposite of why we make art artists are forerunners. It's confusing and frustrating. And I think it's really exciting when people break the mold.
1: Yeah. I agree. And I think for me, what I've started doing in recent years is just trying to focus on that because there's just so much that we could be unhappy about, which we must still speak up and challenge. But I think one of the best ways in which to envision a future is to actually look at those who are living in that future right now. I firmly believe there are a lot of people who are living in the future that we envision. The only difference is that it's not a mainstream but if you look elsewhere, you will find those people who have successful careers in completely alternative ways. And also, I think it's about defining what success is to you. Exactly. We all have different ways in which we want to be successful. Some people want the big flashy life, the you know, everything and that is okay too, you know. Some people want to be pop artists and they want to be on radio all day, every day. That's okay too. And others, they just want to make a living. They want to live well and perhaps they don't want the hyper-visibility, you know. Perhaps they don't want to be on Instagram and Twitter all day, every day. Perhaps they don't Mm. want to be seen. But there should be room for everybody to be successful in the way that they want to be.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I love that there is a dialogue that's happening about all these things because at least it brings it out and lets us all see what's happening. It's That's so exciting for me. And I think it'll reach a tipping point where something will shift.
1: Mm. I think it has, to be honest. I think it has. There are a lot of young people, or at least who I'm looking at, maybe not so much in South Africa. Yeah. We have a lot of young people in South Africa who are doing really great work, but we haven't gotten to the point where we're mobilizing as artists. Yes. Whereas you know in some countries, like in the u s and in the u k there's a lot of mobilization happening around particular issues, and people are starting actual movements you know around these issues and speaking to people in government and all of that, whereas for us it's not so much happening, but even within just the actions that some people are doing, you can see that there is a desire to change things but Yeah, I think that it's happening. I think it's definitely happening and it's very encouraging to see. And I hope that as time moves on, as artists, we'll be able to step into that power that we have, you know, because we do have a lot of it. I think some of it is just being used in ways that don't serve the collective Group And we need to find ways of bringing our different positions and leverages together to enable a greater and more long lasting change for artists in South Africa.
0: I love that. Hmm. And now back to the issue at hand for a second. How are you balancing being a parent and working in the music industry now that your son is older?
1: Well, (laughs) he has since left the country. So he's with his dad now. So I don't have much balancing to do, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> and also because it's COVID. So even if he was here, I'd be at home. But he actually, <laughs> uh, before he left, we went to a gig. I was playing at Faith De La Music. That was the last gig he came to see me at. And he yeah. was so excited about that. So I'm actually a little bit sad that I get to miss out on taking him to gigs now that he's older. But we're planning on doing, like, when he turns 18, we're planning on doing this, like festival hopping thing
0: oh my gosh
1: yeah I suppose
0: that's also the thing about making cool music because you make (laughs) cool music
1: so now what's been nice about sort of having an empty nest I guess is being able to focus on the things that I'm passionate about within the music industry that have nothing to do with making music at all so other things like getting involved with different communities like she said so and female pressure and just connecting with different women in the industry to, you know, have discussions like this, to create platforms, to amplify each other and support each other's work. So in that sense, I've been able to have more time to devote to those things. And I think as children get older and careers change, I feel like that for me is just basically like a symptom of how those sort of transitions go together because when he was younger, I can definitely say my priorities in terms of the music side were much different than they are now. Yeah. While he's not at home, I'm still really passionate about finding communities of parents and supporting this type of work because I have the privilege of time. <laughs> you know, Amazing. yeah. So now yes. I have the privilege of time, whereas for some moms they may have a limited amount of time. So I'm trying to also use just like the free time that I have as a kind of emptiness to to sort of pass it on in a way. Wonderful.
0: And you know, there's something so cool because often what happens with moms particularly, I think is that we get a little bit lost in motherhood Mm -hmm. and then afterwards have to sort of re-find ourselves. But when you've got music, you kind of almost always found it's very cool
1: yeah yeah I think it's definitely a different space to be in I'm still a mother obviously but I'm a different kind of mom which is it's yeah it is yeah like you're saying about finding yourself it's very interesting also thinking about myself as a mom but not just a mom (laughs) you know (laughs) it's like because you know you can get into that space where your life is just your kids yes yeah. you know in as much as you love them and everything it's like okay but i i who am i when i'm not their mother yes <laughs> so, yeah so that's also been like a very interesting thing that's been cropping up quite often actually
0: yeah i mean i think that's we're going to have an ongoing discussion you and i about this this is interesting but now as we sort of run to the end of the show i've got a couple of light questions for you sure what does making music look like for you? And what do you have in the pipeline? What exciting things are happening?
1: I think I've put a pause on making music because I've got quite a bit of okay. music that has already been made that I need to get out. Okay. Yeah. So there's quite a few projects in the pipeline that I'm working to put out on my label, Bay Electronica. Also, cause I haven't put out an Afro House track, which is what my label is known for and what I'm known for. Yeah. In about three years. So, I'm working on doing a project around maybe July, August. I'm hoping to have finished by then. And I'm really, really excited for that. I can't wait.
0: Yeah, I love that. Is there a song in existence that you wish that you had written?
1: Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yo, I don't know. Hey, like, I really would have to think about that because there's just so many songs. That I really, really like. When I hear the question that you wish you'd written, I feel like Mm. I don't think I could have written that song. (laughs) (laughs) Like even if I found a song, I'd be like, I don't think I could have written that song. And so I appreciate that person for writing that song. That's a song that came from them and I could never have written something like that, you know. Not in the sense that I don't think I'm capable, not in that way, but just in terms of like how we experience music and creating. So that's their story.
0: Okay, nice. I love how people respond to that question because that's the first time anyone said that. Wishlist collaboration.
1: Whoa, wishlist collaboration. Uh, I'd love to do something with Purple Disco Machine because I love Disco House. I'd really love to do some stuff with... Like, I've been listening to a lot of jazz lately. Well, I've always listened to jazz, but more and more I've been listening to, to more jazz. Alpha Mist, who's a pianist, jazz pianist, producer in the UK. I love his work. I'm just obsessed, like super obsessed. <laughs> and who else would I love to do a collaboration with? Uh, Emma V, she's a producer, also based in the UK. She's amazing. She's like my producer crush. I love her as well. I mean, when I lived in the UK, I really like grabbed onto the scene there. But I think it was also just from like before. Because when I was growing up in Zim, I listened to a lot of UK music. Like it has a special place in my heart. I'd love to do some stuff with some people in the scene there.
0: So rad. And I hope you do. And I'm sure you will actually, especially because your son is over there. Now... In light of everything we've spoken about, music industry challenges, parents in the music industry challenges, all of that, what advice would you give indie artists and folk who are working in the music industry to keep them keeping on, parents and otherwise?
1: I think the biggest piece of advice that I can give that I've found has been my compass is to define what success means to you. I think there's no bigger piece of advice that I can think of right now than that because there are so many ways that we can be pushed and pulled into different things and just being firm in what your beliefs are, in what your values are, what your purpose is, what will make you happy has really helped me to decide what to say yes to and what to say no to. That is brilliant. Whether it's what kind of music you make, how active you want to be on social media, for example, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like it's just what kind of gigs you play as well. Cause like, you know, that can also be something that you can have values and principles about as well. And what kind of initiatives you get involved in, you know, all of that stuff. And I just feel like for me, it's that central tenant of like, what is it that I value? What is my purpose? And when I achieve success. What does it look like? So for me, success looks like making music, releasing music on my own label. I probably have a list of like gigs that I want to play and, you know, making a certain amount of money. And then like just being happy and just being able to like exist quietly. (laughs) I'm not trying to be Beyonce. I'm just happy for nobody to know what I look like. I'm good with that. But then for other people, it's like, I want to be Beyonce. I want to be in this, in the limelight and whatever. So yeah, I think that would be my advice because for me, what I found is that once I made that decision, I stopped listening to what other people's hopes and dreams were because there was a time after like actually really sitting down with myself i realized that a lot of the things that i thought i wanted for myself those weren't my hopes and dreams yeah You know, it's like when people hear someone sing really well and they're like, oh, you should go onto the voice or something. And you're like, (laughs) actually, like, that's, (laughs) that's what i mean. (laughs) you know? So then it's like, actually, no, I don't want to go on the voice or maybe actually, yes, I want to go on the voice. Like you just don't know. So I think just when you decide that for yourself and that becomes your compass, I think it will be much, not easier, but you will be more confident in the decisions that you make and more content.
0: Yeah, I really love that. My grandfather used to say, to thine own self be true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very powerful. Okay, I love that. I think that's a great piece of advice. Now, how can people get in touch with you or find out more about what you're up to? What are your social media links?
1: Okay, so on Twitter, it's Jackie Queens, S-A. And then on Instagram, it's Jackie Queens. And then on Facebook, it's Jackie Queens. You'll find all the updates there.
0: Yay. Okay, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for coming to chat about these things that are super important.
1: Thank you for inviting me. This was a really wonderful chat. Thank you.
0: If you are an indie artist whose passion for what you do can inspire or fuel others, get in touch. I'd love to chat. You can find me on Instagram at ShotgunTori.
1: You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.